Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic interventions. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. Hey everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you're listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Y'all, I'm so excited to have this conversation today. Uh, my guest is a repeat guest um, and a former colleague and just an overall dope human being that I am so excited to have a conversation with and share again with you, my listeners, and my LOL family. Today I have with me again, John Orr. Hi, John. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Ah, okay. So I'm going to pause all of my excitement because I, I feel like I'm ready to run to the middle of the podcast, but let's let's ease ourselves in, right? I know you've answered this question before, Um but I'm so eager to hear how you answer it again, because I already think one of the biggest things that our our listeners and myself can take away is like, how do we ride shifts, pivots, and transitions? Um, and our labors of love may not always stay the same. They evolve. And so, John, what is your labor of love? Well, my labor of love uh, these days is being unbound and, and you know, that is the name of my business. Uh, it's a representation of an evolution that came from in you know, my pre previous business, kindly said, and uh, being unbound is, is really about helping people to open uh, beyond our stories and beyond beliefs to tap into our creativity, authenticity, and find more harmony in our lives. I mean, I feel like if people regularly listen to this podcast, they're like checking off the words you just used because I feel like I use them all <laughs> or have used them all in some way. So, ooh, juicy stuff. So where do I want to start? First, let's talk about unbound. I know that I talk about freedom and liberation and offer liberatory coaching. So there is this inherent being that I'm existing in that's trying to help people find freedom and liberation from many different things. And then the word unbound, I'm like, ooh, juicy. Like, I, I'm really literal goosebumps attracted to this word. Tell us a little bit about like, what does it, what is bound and what is unbound? Mm -hmm. Well, to to start with bound, you know, I, I think that bound is when we are stuck in a narrow and limiting belief about who we are, you know, and it, it's usually characterized by suffering. You know, we're in a, a story of ourselves that says that I am not okay, essentially. And, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I've been able, I've been lucky to have started a meditation practice pretty early in my life. And I, 
So I've been meditating for over 20 years. And one of the, I guess the biggest insight that I've gotten from that is that underneath all of the stories and all of the drama, all the stress, we are fundamentally okay. Mm. And when we can tap into that fundamental okayness, we have an individual, beautifully creative expression, you know, that the world I think needs, you know, that, you know, it is our individual gift and our offering. And what happens through some of our pain and, you know, some of the experiences of our life is that, you know, we come into what feels like very fixed ideas. You know, these ideas of, uh, I'm, I'm no good, or I'm not good at this, or I can't be that. And they're so believable and they're so seductive that I think it's so easy to fall into them and we end up being bound by them. We start to think that we are this story rather than being able to recognize that there's a part of us that is aware of that story, that there's something always telling that story. And so in Zen, they call it the backward step. It's this turning backwards toward the one that's telling the story and finding that place inside of us that's like, wait a minute, this is okay no matter what. You know, like no matter what story comes through, no matter what experience, it it's not a denial of pain. It's not a denial of, you know, the, like the things that need our, our care and attention in our life. But it is this fundamental wholeness, the sense that, you know, I'm here, I'm alive, and I'm okay. And I, and so that's what being unbound is about. It's about helping people reconnect with that, that inherent state, because everybody's got it. Mm. Just taking a deep breath on that. I I appreciate everything you said. I appreciate it hearing it come in your voice. There is something very soothing about hearing that. And some of the things that came up for me while you were talking, like I, I so agree. And I thought, man, that's some hard work. <laughs> that's some hard work. Um, this fundamental understanding that underneath it all, we're okay. And I'm like, yes. And then every, it's like almost every single system that has been created that we engage with flourishes and thrives off of us not being okay. When we're oh, okay, really? we stop buying shit. <laughs> Capitalism crumbles. When we're okay, when, when we're okay and we go, I'm fundamentally okay and was came here with an expression and a purpose that's connected to this entire ecosystem, things like patriarchy and white supremacy crumble. So I love what you're saying. And I'm so eager to talk about what this looks like practically, because literally all the messaging that it's like we're receiving on a regular basis goes, you're not okay, but if you go by that, you'll be better. If you work that much, it'll get better. If you look like this, you'll be better. So how do you, and before we talk about like what that looks like with helping people 
be unbound. What was the journey and process for you to like cut through, flight through, fight through, slice through all the noise and all of the messaging that was telling you contrary to what you now are encouraging other people to see? Well, I mean, it, it was a, it was a lot of effort, you know, and, you know, to kind of paraphrase what you were saying before my, my life became a, a self-improvement project. And, you know, I say that in a way that, that it, it was not, a, it was productive in so much as that it was a failure of effort in, in some ways to, because there was never this place that I could get to that as I absorbed the external ideals, you know, like all those messages on the billboards, everything that you were talking about, you know, that says, you know, you, we have the answer over here. Now, you, come get it. As I absorbed that, there was always this desire to be like, oh, okay, I need to get there. I, you know, I need to find something. And so I tried really hard, you know, and I, I remember back when we worked together, like I was really trying hard to find an identity that said, yes, this is who I am. And I, I had some success as a counselor and someone uh, who we worked with said, gosh, you're a great counselor. And I said, finally, it's happened. You know, I've made it like this is it. And then within the next day, I mean, it was like literally within 24 hours, I did one of the dumbest things I, I, I can ever think of a counselor doing. And I was like, okay, wait, just yesterday, I was this great counselor. And now today, I'm kind of not. And so I sat there, you know, and I really struggled with these things. I, you know, I really wanted to be okay. And, you know, and I, there was this drive toward identity. But identity ended up collapsing in some ways. And not that I'm free from identity or that I, you know, I'm completely, you know, over here, you know, pretending to be something that I'm not. I, I still have an identity and, you know, I still run into these things, but I started to see through it in a certain way where my story wasn't satisfactory. Hmm. And as I came into that realization, you know, I said, well, what else, what else is here? You know, it, as these things, I kept running into walls and, um, yeah, as dreams started to, to, to die, I, I started to think like, well, who, what's still here? And, you know, I was lucky, you know, to start looking inward in, instead of outward. And that, that was the big shift for me. You know, it was knowing that inward place. And, you know, as I did, I similarly, you know, saw how power structures had been exploiting trauma that I had experienced in my life, you know, to manipulate me and guide me toward their means. And some of that is just built in, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it's like, and people are all parts of it. And, and, and so it's like, well, who am I really, you know? that that's really the big question and that you know i continue to ask myself and as that deepens i go towards something that's really rich inside mm. yeah so much there i think what came up most recently as you were finishing what you were saying was i'm i'm reflecting on the fact that it, it's my uh oldest child's birthday <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, 
it's wild. I, I had this thing come up for me in the middle of the night, early morning, a few nights ago. So I dropped a bonus episode. So it's not our regular cadence for dropping it. So if you listen to this and be like, what? I didn't see a bonus episode. It's there. <laughs> and and that one, it, it was it was called Parenting Through Our Own Trauma. Because there was something about recognizing my child was about to be 14 that allowed me to sit in that 14-year-old in me, activated and reminded me what 14 was like for us. And it, it wasn't good. And I, I talked about how if we're not careful, we will externalize that and try to wrap control and story and narrative around our child instead of coming home to self and realizing there's work to be done here, not not over there. So check it out. Great episode. But what I was thinking about was how, you know, he wakes up every single morning at 6 a.m. without assistance because I'm no good at 6 a.m., let's let's not do this thing let's 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 maintain our relationship at what i call regular hours of the human day and and that's not 6 a.m for me <laughs> but this morning super excited i woke up told him happy birthday and all that stuff and so i was up for a little bit and i went it's still dark outside which is crazy that children have to be a, it's it's a whole thing but i'm looking and the stars i sit outside often it was wild the stars were brighter at like six mm. 40 in the morning than they were when I would sit out at like 11 or 12 at night. And that was intriguing to me. And so Jay and I were talking. And one of the things that I feel proud of, if I'm honest, is I was talking about this kid who has his own personality, his own way of being. And we love him. We support him. And I we've tried really hard not to put our fingerprints all over him. Like we've tried so hard to go like, how do we remain what you need? So there are just some basic things providing for basic needs. Right. But it doesn't just stop there. There are all, there are all these other ways that we try to be present, but how do we do that without force feeding him an identity that like many, like myself and many other people are going to have to wait until they get in their late 20s and their 30s and 40s to go pay somebody a lot of money to help them shed the layers that they've been given just to get back to what you're talking about, right? I didn't have that luxury. Okay, fine. So shedding, shedding, take off this layer, take off this lever, discover all this stuff to get back to wow. And it's crazy because who I come back to, I know her but I haven't seen her since I was four. <laughs> I haven't seen her since I was six, you know? So with our kids, it's like, that's a, that's a balance. But when you were talking about just like cutting through, those are my words, cutting through all this stuff and getting to this place. That's what we were talking about this morning. Like he, he is who he is. And I don't know if he feels confidence in that, to be honest. You know, I don't know if he's like, I know who I am. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Puberty is about to hit his butt in a way that he's he's not expecting. You know, the voice is already starting, but it's about to whammy him. So it's not that I have unrealistic expectations, but I feel like, man, when we draw on that chalkboard, sometimes I'm like, oh, we got to erase that, but not just let, let's wash it. Like how how to allow our kids 
to start to develop form and understand that identity with help, support, and community from the beginning so that unlearning isn't the primary work they have to do in their adulthood. Because the work I did, and I'm still doing the work I do with other people, we can't get to learning about who they are until we go through the very daunting, exhaustive process of unlearning who they were told they needed to be, had to be, how they received love. So that's what came up for me. And 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 I don't know that I'm proud of our effort. I am not, I, I don't, I don't know what grade we're getting <laughs> if we're gonna use this whole system of like evaluating it, but it feels good that we at least are trying. Gosh, that resonates so deeply with me. Yeah, and uh some of my other ventures as a leader, you know, I I was in nonprofit leadership for, I don't know, about 12, 15 years. One of the, like, the biggest things that comes up, I think, is this idea of performance culture versus growth culture. You know, and performance culture is rooted in this judgment. Like, is it good or bad? And like, mm-hmm. am I going to, am I doing, how am I doing? And, you know, where do I stand up? The growth culture is that all of it is moving toward us getting better. Mm-hmm. And, and I so hear that in parenting uh, because when we worked with kids and I didn't have any, gosh, I, I was you know close to an expert on what it meant to, <laughs> to work with kids. Come on, ain't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you get in there and you're like, wait a second, you know, like I, I've got a lot of growth and I, I just... My daughter is in college now. She's 19. She's a sophomore. And even now, I, you know, I still have points of growth. And I I would say that she is living a life where I think that she is opening in her way, you know, and that she is the word I like to use unfolding. You know, her her life is unfolding in this very beautiful way. And some of it challenges you know, these ideas that I didn't even know. I don't even want them. I was like, oh no, another idea that I'm hanging on to that's kind of like this structure. Let it go, dude. And and that's where the work is because the part of me that's hanging on is not the same part that says, let it go. Mm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where therapy and, you know, working with coaches, you know, whatever the medium is, you know, it it could be a shaman, you know, there's a lot of different ways of doing it, but to get past that wall, you know, to get past that, the wall that says, you know, the one that divides the part of me that's rational and says, yes, I want everybody to be great and happy. And then the part of me that still hangs on, you know, how do I get past that wall? And it's the help of others that has helped me get there. And, in the work that I do, my starting point with people is to first try to illuminate, can you recognize that there's a you that's aware of your experience? That no matter what the experience is, there's always this you that's there. And let's get to know that you. As you do, you run into certain things like, uh, you know, it could be beliefs, it could be uh, ideas. Then I have some training in internal family systems, IFS. And so run into parts and how do I work with parts? And that idea of 
And that's what Spawn kindly said was my work with IFS because it taught me how to integrate rather than eliminate, you know, the parts of myself that needed to grow. And, but they, all of them needed love that mm. it, it wasn't so much that I needed to correct myself or fix myself or any, that stuff never ends. And it, it's rooted in that performance judgment stuff that doesn't help. I needed to welcome everybody back and say, you got a space here, you know, and let me find out what you need. And, and that was, you know, really critical work for me. And then, you know, the third level, you know, that I do is EMDR, you know, for the really deep trauma stuff, you know, that IFS is beautiful it is, as it is. Sometimes it's still hard to get there, you know, and to get to those pain points. Uh, in EMDR, I found to be a wonderful tool in my own life. I'm deeply grateful, totally skeptical of it for no reason for a long time. I, I was like, what? Like, and and that was one of my hangups, one of the many. And it, it's turned out to be a very beautiful thing. Okay. I, I feel like every time I come back and talk, I'm like, ooh, so much there. I'm going to move backwards. EMDR heard of it, had heard of it, and like, you know, just kind of graduated, got my license. Oh, you know, I, yeah, that's something I'm interested in. But like, man, I feel like I'm, I was very much absorbing, you know, all this stuff. And then there was like, I was connected to an organization where I could get a discount to be trained in EMDR. And I'm like, well, let's hop on it. I distinctly remember like being like, yeah, this is cool. I mean, it wouldn't work for me, but I'm sure I could use it for other people. Cause you know, I'm Shonda. Well, it worked for me <laughs> to make that longer story short. <laughs> like, oh man. Okay. Real deal. Like, but that illuminated a belief. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about these beliefs, I, I believe that there are certain people and experiences in geographical places that I like to call magnets. If we're around them long enough, they will start attracting to them these hidden beliefs we have that don't always surface regularly. So my my child, he's a magnet for me. He mm. helps me see. I mean, it can be real basic stuff. For example, school shopping. We're at the store, we're at Target, and we need backpacks. Okay. All three kids need backpacks. So the girls find the little frilly, who okay, you know, designs. And he goes back and he's looking at this real basic black backpack. Cool. But they have this other backpack that was like gray and black. It was like Swiss, the Swiss Army Company. It was if, if you know, I don't even, be, no, I can't even, I was going to try to use like current vernacular, but it ain't in me. It was dope. Okay. Backpack yeah. was dope. And I'm looking at the $20 difference in this backpack. Like, ugh, I'm I'm searching for ways to justify buying my child this backpack. Okay? Because the backpack, you know, is fire. I think that's what the kids say. And <laughs> so he, I'm just looking at this backpack. And he's like, I can just get this one. And I was like, mm, you know. And he's like, I'm going to put my, like, I'm going to put my computer in it. And it's going to sit in my locker, like, all day. Why do I, why do I need that backpack? Uh, oh, right. 
Oh, um, <laughs> good point. And I, I did. I was just like, can I hug you? <laughs> because you, you reveal things to me about me that I don't even, I'm not even. And then we were walking to another store and he looks at me and said, well, I forgot his exact words, but like, yeah, why did you care about that backpack so much? So mm -hmm. not only does his existence magnetize some of these things, but then he will circle back around and be like, yeah, tell me about that in his own way. And I'm just like, oh, you know what? I want to sit with that. I'm not sure which part of me really was fixated on this backpack. But what I do appreciate is that you are so clear about the things you value and the things you don't. <laughs> this was not a value of yours in the moment. I, that That is beautiful. I. For, for one, you know, for him, you know, to be that person who shows that to you, you know, and allows you to see like the things that like you're hanging on to, um, but also for him to be so clear, I, that, that is so cool. Uh, you know, I like, that's my, I don't re recall myself being that way at that age. Like, uh, like I'm trying to think I'm like, I am I that way even now? Right? Um, I, and so that's really so awesome. And yeah, you know, just to go back to that idea of like not leaving our fingerprints, you know, I, to to allow our kids to be, you know, that one, you know, where they you know get to be themselves, that 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 they get to live that one life, you know, that is theirs. And it's beautiful that it's theirs and and their voice is beautiful. I mean, it, it it's overwhelmingly amazing to me. Like I am emotional in this moment because when I think back to Shonda, younger Shonda, my my uh very, very uh hypersensitive awareness of other people's thoughts, feelings, needs, and expectations meant I just did whatever I knew was expected. Therefore, had that been me, I would have not faked liking the backpack that my mother loved, liked and was looking at. I would have convinced myself that is what I was supposed to do. Therefore, I really liked it. So I didn't go around faking. This is new discovery as I learn more about myself. When I talk about shape-shifting and people-pleasing, I had to realize that I wasn't faking. I wasn't pretending to do these things. I would really attach to someone else's expectation, voice, thoughts, beliefs, and conform mine around theirs. And, and the more quote unquote authority or influence you had in my life, the, the more seamlessly that happened. And here is my child like, yo, I, I'm good. And was so very clear, like he wasn't confused. He wasn't waffling and in his justification that he didn't have to offer. He could have just said, I want this one was one that made this, this adult go, oh, <laughs> yeah. So he, he, he does that. He magnetizes. So when I, uh, but that only works when he gets to be him. When he gets to live in his essence, we went to a family gathering a few weeks ago and my, my child does not give his affections away easily. He is mm -hmm. going to speak. He will respond when you say something to him, 
But if you ain't his people, what I, I you know, it kind of looks what what are we doing? <laughs> you know, why are we doing this? And so when I am hugging everybody, but still man, you know, okay, this and the girls, you know, and they are talking to Emmanuel, he says hi. And that's it. And the part of me that grew up in a black family and their elders present was that part was whoo. She stood up and said, oh, hey, 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 what does he do? Hey, get up, go over there, you know, and I had to come in with this part and say, hey, mm -mm, I hear it. I feel it. Trust me, you are doing all kinds of things to my nervous system. So I feel you. Let me, yeah. let me tell you, we good. <laughs> we, we're not going to get in trouble. We're okay. No one's going to disconnect. But we're good. Doing that inner work, let me leave him alone. And then I realized, how often do I just give away my affections because I was told I had to, that there are parts of me that are still living based on that old narrative. And I'll, I'm doing things I don't want to do. I'm, I'm, I'm all this. And you know what? He, he's not. So he has become my teacher in so many ways. He has become a role model for me. I look up to my newly 14 year old child because he hasn't put on all this stuff that he has. No, he's not motivated to please mommy because mommy wants him to do that. He, he's literally his own person. And why that's amazing is because uh, I'm still getting there. Gosh, aren't we all? That's so beautiful, <laughs> though. I, I, and I relate so much to it. I, I, how deep was it when you you talked about you know the shape shifting and how automatic it is? It's not, it's not faking. It it is completely like absorbing, and all of a sudden you're in it, and it, and it feels like the thing, and it, and now it shows up as a part, and I. And that hits me so deeply as well, because my it'll throw me off and it, and it barks loudly, you know, when it shows up and it's like, oh, no, whoa, you know, like it's going to be bad, John, bad, bad, bad. And, uh, and it turns out, no, it, it's actually not going to be bad. Mm -mm. It, it, it's most likely going to be neutral, you know, like it, it, so, so often my mind is good or bad, but it, fails to understand that most of life is probably just a bunch of neutral moments, you know, and, and do, can, can I recognize that? Because good or bad are still based on whatever the next narrative is, whatever the next story is. So the, the adults who he didn't hug f feeling a certain way was bad when I was deeply connected to their feelings and making sure they were okay. So I could be okay. Now that that's yeah. no longer the case, like you said, neutrality is, it is, is what I say. Like, it's not good, bad, right, or wrong. It just is. And you know what? The party went on fine. Like, the building didn't burn down. No one even mentioned it. As a matter of fact, what I noticed is that people were actually very clear about his boundaries and engaged with him based on the boundaries he clearly established. They learned something, too. Oh, okay, cool. It didn't mean he was shunned, which I think for my parts is the biggest fear that I have for my children. 
that they might actually experience that pervasive excommunication from community that I was so afraid was going to happen to me. So I did everything to make sure it didn't happen. And yeah. now I can go, nah, he's good. He He's good. And, and then my girls start to set boundaries with us and they get to practice it here, which I think is so important as we're talking about being unbound. For me, I think there always needs to be a playground for us to go try these things out on. It can be really hard to learn that you have a belief and you want to repattern away from that belief out in the real world, which feels like they have these very real world consequences that activate the parts. So where are people's playgrounds? I think therapy and coaching, I, I call it a playground for my folks. This is where you get to come and try it out. Try it on play around with it, right? So you can build that muscle. And I want home. I want the parent-child relationship. I, I want our family to be that playground where it's bedtime and I'm like, hey, can, you know, whatever affections I'm at, and I ask my children for, and my daughter says, mm, I don't want to do that anymore. Can we do this? Like she already established, I don't like kisses. Cool. So we do this thing cheek to cheek puff out one side of our cheek and we touch our cheeks. So I requested a cheek to cheek last night and she was like, um, let's do something different. Let's do this. It was like a, a high five and putting our fingers down. And I said, you got it. Imagine, I can't even imagine what that would have been like for what the, either the conversation that would have had to follow it or watching the disappointment on whoever's face that I no longer conform to like there was so much and and what I could give her was a you got it how does this feel that cool all right the fact that she knew she could change it the fact that she knew she could say I don't want your affection mommy I don't want it like that to me that's huge she's playing with that now I hope that is planting a whole garden for her as she gets older, where people out there are going to be asking a lot, are going to be trying to take her time, her energy, her body. And I, I, I am hoping that it's like, mm -mm, we don't do that over here. Right. And that, that's not the experience that I had. I, yeah, it wasn't the experience I had either. I, but, it, but I think when I hear about your kids, I, I think about them as being unbound, you know, and, and this idea of it, naturally i think we are that way like there, there is this again you know to kind of echo what i said earlier this creative individual expression you know that comes out of us and it gets taken away by shoulds and musts and trauma and all that and everything that you're saying is that you're giving them a chance for that individual beautiful almost divine, you know, expression, you know, to come through and letting that be the truth of the moment rather than some other hierarchical idea that we apply to the situation and say, oh no, um, you're supposed to be like this. Because what you said earlier, I think was so on point. Systems are conditioning folks to produce what the system wants and parenting is a system 
to me. And it's a subset of the other systems I talked about. Like I, education system, is just a total arm under the umbrella of capitalism. You know, you bring kids into the building, make them sit, make them do things contrary to what their body needs for hours at a time, evaluate them based on things that don't really matter, honestly, to the grand scheme of humanity and and, and life and kindness. But you make it make make it real important, then evaluate them, make them strive for seven hours a day and then give them stuff to take home that continues to make them not pay attention to what their body needs, community, relationships. It's a total feeder to capitalism and parenting. Oh, oh go ahead. Well, no, I, I, it's just resonating very deeply <laughs> with me. And in and, and all of this is that due to the like industrialization, capitalism, I, people have become the products, you know, mm. and, and we are trying so like it's been internalized this idea that I need to be a good product. Yeah. And that is, and that, and the keys are out there somewhere. If I just get the keys, I, I can, I can become a good product. Yes. And, and if, oof, go ahead. I'm and excited. that's just, it's just not our deepest truth. You know, it is not our deepest truth. It is not our deepest truth. And if we can't, if we haven't, if we don't feel like, we've become a good product. Well, by God, I'm going to produce a good product in my kids. So now they get to represent me as the perfect product. So I'm going to do all of this stuff to make them the perfect product that now I think they should be, or I wish I could have been, or it, it, it's, but if we don't understand it, yes. <laughs> we just keep doing the same thing. So I, I, I'm not speaking against the terms. I've heard it called gentle parenting. I've heard it called conscious parenting. I, I, you know, I know there are people out there working to like get these ideas. Honestly, I just call it leave them the fuck alone. Parenting. <laughs> that that that's that's what I call it because you we are conditioned like to it. believe that like it is my responsibility of a parent to do this, but it's not. They are souls that came to this plane with a purpose in you. We are storing houses, pass-throughs. We, we are a lot of things, but the maker, molder, and controller of them, we are not. We're just I mean, not. That is, that is fucking it right there. Oh That's my it. gosh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and we, we got to step back. You know, we got to take our hands off, get those fingerprints off, as you said. And, and let them blossom and you know, let them blossom into who they are. It doesn't mean that we don't care. It doesn't mean that we're not, you know, helping out. We're, we're the fertilizer. We're the fertilizer that allows the flower to unfold. Yes. Imagine living in a system where you literally equate control to love. That's where we are. We have been reared in systems that have convinced us that we love through control. But when you pause and think about that, how messed up of a system is that? Well, it's my it's absolutely, Yeah, no, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's terrible. And I, I personally think it's violent, you know, and, and that, you know, that there, it, it perpetuates a lot of like, you know, active and passive violence, you know, you know, that we, you know, commit, you know, toward one another and, 
you know, on a, while uh, being unbound on a personal level is focused on the things that I, you know, I've mentioned here on a macro level, it is about ending violence. You know, this idea of violence that we can do and violence meaning specifically here, you know, when we harm, because conflict is going to be inevitable, but how we handle the conflict, you know, we have a choice in that and, you know, just really, you know, allowing people to be just to, just to be be it, it 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 is so simple yet so complex where we are it reminds me of like people who get in and tinker with things in a way that's like uh, like there are grapes that can taste like cotton candy i've heard um I i've had them <laughs> yeah that that's awesome i, I personally am just like but can you just leave the grapes alone like yeah. I, 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 I'm sure it's appealing to some people. I, I'm not even saying it's not maybe slightly appealing to me, but there's just something about, but grapes are grapes. Like they, 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 there's, yeah. there's a range of flavors they already have, but we are in a culture that goes, I, I can alter you to be who I want you to be. And we do that with our kids, you know? So when I end up talking to people about my personal parenting philosophies, first of all, um, I'm not proselytizing or evangelizing. I'm just sharing. And then when you get the pushback, I wouldn't even call it pushback because at some point I'm like, if we're not engaging in conversation just for curiosity, like we, we, I'm not trying to convince you of anything, but how tightly people are holding on to it is really based on the investment they've made in it, which is people who have been trying to figure out their own trauma. Because even though it becomes normal to people, there are parts it doesn't feel right it is a violation of how we truly came here and i think that's how we have dis-ease you know that's how we get dysregulated even if we the brain doesn't necessarily have a current context for why does when when mommy or daddy talk to me like that or you know caregiver whomever why does that not feel good because i believe that's rubbing up against the freedom the unboundness that we came here with in a way and it, it just I look and it make it starts making me think being when we talk about neurodivergence which my thing is I can't stand it because it's only divergent because you somebody has said here's right here's good here's normal yeah. here's the standard here's the thing it, what if it's not divergent what if it just is when we talk about non-binary, it only is because somebody decided that they wanted to put binaries there. If we can release those things, but it, I believe it's so hard because there's a lot of investment that gets put into these ideas, a lot of self-sacrifice, a lot of self-abandoning, a lot of things. So by the time a person has invested, sometimes out of no fault of their own they come into a family a home a system a community that has invested heavily in these ideas and then they the it's it's almost like you know how you get money taken out of your check for these various things you don't you don't I even know. get a chance to allocate it <laughs> yeah <laughs> that yeah, that's familiar. what you're familiar that's what I feel like happens with with us as we come into this world you know, we come unbound and yet there are there are withdrawals being made from us and put into different beliefs that we haven't even consented to. We grow up and then all of a sudden someone is telling you, unlearn these things. And it's like, I've invested too much. 
That's why the older the person I get to journey with oftentimes has this struggle because it's like I've invested 60 years in this thing. And now you telling me, young lady, because that's when I become young lady. I I don't even feel like they notice my age until I'm asking them to look at that investment. Who, young lady, you asking me to do this? I've invested so much. So that's why I think it's beautiful what we're talking about, at least with, with our kids. It's like, man. You know, we're not requiring, there are certain things outside of our relationship that we'll still extract, but we're not requiring that investment. So yeah, that, that, that feels like a big deal that I just wanted to say. Well, it's a huge deal. And and I think we're at a time where uh, our society is open to challenging, maybe not everyone, uh, you know, but we're getting there, you know, where people are being more open to this idea of challenging things that we've taken for granted, you know, like structures and understanding and, you know, looking at these things and, you know, and it's not surprising. You know, I, I, I have my own sensitivities when I work with people who are older than me, you know, that, you know, they're, you're going to be like, wait a second, you know, like, where are you coming from? I've got more wisdom, I, you know, and all, all that kind of stuff. And you articulate it so well when you say young lady and how, how that, you know, manifests there. And I I really, you know, just want to, you know, come back to something that is, you know, fundamental to this idea with being unbounded is the being piece that you just mentioned a moment ago is this idea of presence. You know that there that there is something here, and parents know this. Uh, when you have a kid, before they learn a language, before they learn all that, they are alive. You know they are interacting with the world. They are responding to the world. There is something there prior to language. But when we learn language, you know we learn classification. We learn if there's a if there's a me, there's a you, and we learn division. And, it, you know, it's my opinion that all it takes for someone, you know, to commit a very heinous, atrocious act is to create a narrative, you know, that suggests that someone is bad and, and, and they are, and the person saying it is good. It's, that's all it takes for really terrible stuff to happen. Mm-hmm. But, but when we look actually and we take that backward step that we talk about in Zen and, and look inside toward awareness and find that thing that was there prior to learning language. Within that is connection. You know, it, it it's not about this divisiveness that comes because language just naturally structures things. That there's something else there. There's something rich. Uh, and it's something worth tapping into. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm. we're not a a culture that um, has a high tolerance for nonverbal. Whether that's how a a person enters the world or how a person continues to navigate the world for many reasons, that there's been this connection attribution of intelligence, which in our culture equals worth, to the capacity and ability to verbally express a thought, a feeling, an idea, and then to carry that forward into something that can be commodified. Like that, that's the trajectory of value as I see it in our culture. And yet some of the most beautiful moments I have had with folks have had no words. 
some of the most seen, understood, believed, precious, adored I have felt has not been when people were talking to me or about me. It's when they've been with me in my being, in my essence, and have allowed me to be with them in theirs. And for me, I feel like that beauty so many people haven't experienced. So it's like a, a poverty of experience. They don't even like, what are y'all talking about? I feel like you can feel like this. What? Because everything we're inundated with has said otherwise. But as you were saying that, you know, I thought of those, some of those moments and my body even shifted a little bit. I feel like my voice may have even changed a little bit because it brought me back to what it's really about. And in your words, as you said it to me, I, I just, I felt this resonance in my heart and the center of my chest and I, and I just dropped into that. And, you know, I experienced that. And as I did, you know, I just, I wasn't living in what I was about to say in response or anything like that. I was just taking it in. I was hearing you. And and that's where, you know, I, I'm not here to condemn words. Words are our poetry. You know, mm -hmm. we need words to to express, but it's not the only thing. You know? It's and, not. And and there's something else rich there. And when we give us a give ourselves a break to not be that product, to not be that thing that says, I I need to be further down the road. I, I need to be something other you know, than I am right now. And, and just to be here and we share that with someone else and to be here with someone. I, I think the heart is right there. It's all on board for that kind of stuff. Mm, it is. Thank you for sharing this beautiful moment with me. Like that was a very beautiful moment we just shared. I felt it. Yeah. And when we get there, even if we can't live there, 100% of the time I, I rather you know when we there when we're there when we're there I truly believe what starts to happen is one we start to offer permission to others to to that it's a thing and try to get there our expectations and judgments of others start to wither away because our expectations and judgments of ourselves have began yeah. to wither away so someone expressing themselves does not create fear, anxiety, you know, a need to control or change them. You watch their unfolding and blooming and you get excited and you get encouraged. And you remember that you're unfolding and you're blooming and then someone else can watch it. And that 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 is the world that I am bold enough to dream of. It is the world that yeah. I'm bold enough to be the way I'm being in hopes of inviting that world to be a thing. And that just, that just, mm, that feels, that feels like purpose for me. And, and yeah, as you said it, it, it feels like the world of living love, you know, like this, mm. that we're, we're letting it come out, you know, and that, and that, yeah, it, not to sound trite or cliche here, but the world really does need more love. Yeah. It absolutely needs more love. Oh, John, I just, I love you so very much. I'm just so grateful that you exist in this world and 
in my life, which I would be grateful you existed in the world, even if you didn't exist in my life. But it feels like a really, a really um, amazing gift that you do exist in my world. We didn't talk specifically about, uh, we talked, <laughs> this was amazing, but I want to give you an opportunity to talk just a little bit about being unbound, um, folks who were present enough in this conversation here at the end to go, ooh, like that felt something and and are like, wow, there's more of that to be experienced. How can people find you, get in touch with you? What do they need to know about being unbound? Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. And just to reciprocate for a moment, I, I'm grateful for you too. Mm. You know, I feel <laughs> thank that you, as well. But yeah, you know, people who might want to find out about their own ways to unfold and you know open up to a deeper, richer part of themselves. My website is beingunbound.com. And I have on it uh, therapy, which I do in New York and I've been debating restarting my license in Ohio. So if somebody in Ohio was interested in um, picking up some therapeutic work with me, I, I'd hope they'd reach out because I do have a license that's in escrow there and I can actually just reactivate it. But on the other side of being unbound is a, is a leadership piece. I, I have a contemplative uh, leadership approach that is heart-based uh, for nonprofit leaders because as you know, uh, a lot of times people in nonprofits get thrown into leadership roles and there's no training nope. and they say, they say, let's figure it out just like we all did. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe we could do um, people a little bit better, you know, by offering them an opportunity to connect with the heart and not lose sight of it as people talk about things like risk and management and yeah. So there's that leadership side and there's the individual side. And hopefully in the future, uh, you know, as things unfold, it's going to turn into something that we are able to put some content out into the world as well. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Where, we'll see where it goes. I love it. So y'all know we'll definitely have uh, John's information inside of the show notes. Check it out. Um but yeah, as we get ready to finish up, just wanting to reiterate a whole body gratitude that, um, you know, I feel for us being able to reconnect in this way, for you being able to uh, share how you're being with folks, because it's it's inspirational. You share some pictures of New York that defies everything I've known about New York. Now, interestingly, New York came up for me the other day before I made that podcast. And I realized I have some trauma around New York that has oh kept gosh. me in a, in a, in a particular narrative, not being able to, I, 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 I I'm, I'm stuck in that narrative. But when I see your pictures, John, you begin to chip away at that a little bit before I even knew what was happening, why I was so intrigued to see New York through your lens, I now realize it's because it was offering me an exit off of that loop that I have about New York that lives inside of my body. So now that I know that what is there, I, I'm excited to do some, 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 ex, you know, some work around it, some being around it. But I did want you to know that being able to see that city through your eyes 
was healing me in ways I didn't even know (laughs) needed to be healed. And so that is what I think is directly connected to being unbound is we stop doing that thing where we go, what do people need? How do I provide it? How do I be a really good therapist? How do I, how do I do this? And, and as you have continued to become unbound, you have been oozing healing and restoration across the country in ways that you weren't trying to, you were just being. Our being has medicine in it. And we are not healed because we're not being. If everyone could be unbound, that flavor of medicine, that that is the living in love. And so again, flowers while you're here to hear them. Thank you. And I'm offering you the last word. I I need you to be my spokesperson. Uh, <laughs> and I like it. <laughs> uh, gosh, you know, you're talking about seeing New York through my eyes as you did. You know, um, my eyes filled with uh, tears of gratitude. And I'm just really grateful for you, Lashonda. You know, and grateful you know that you took some time with me and to share some space and just feel into it. You know, and and let us let us be there and and you know to hear about the beauty of the unfolding, you know, of your happy birthday, 14 year old son, uh, you know, and you know, gosh, that's it. You know, so that, that provides me just a, a lot of joy vicariously. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you all, I, I do, I hope you were listening in a space that gave your body a little bit of space to just feel, <laughs> sense, experience what John and I shared today. Um, my usual shout outs, I want to shout out Jay Sugg, my amazing producer, Trey Angel provides the music, Steph just Spencer does my social media and newsletters and such. And I also want to thank you all my listeners. Last time I looked, we were like less than 100 listens away from 73,000 downloads and streams. I will never take that for granted. <laughs> this is a choice. And that so many of you are making that choice over and over again um, motivates me to continue to being out loud. So thank you. If you want to get in touch with me, you reach out to my website, www.thelaborsoflove.com. We're out there on social media, though I'm not doing a lot of content because I realize I am not my production and I am not what I produce. So it's going to look sparse. But occasionally I do put stuff out there now because I'm busy being not producing and I invite you into that. Um, And if you have suggestions for uh, guests or subjects, you can do that on a form on my website. Um, Otherwise, y'all, until we connect again, you all be well.